becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger straight around the corner. It's a dream that you to make real. Passing those other songs. Glimmer, glimmer, of the ship being seen. Let's welcome everybody first before we unplus. Unplus. <laughs> or replus? Or replus. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Shores. Yeah. We're here. And we brought somebody with us. That's right. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Our <laughs> podcast mom. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. So Allison Vaclov, who I am particularly fond of, is joining us today. Thank you. I'll do an actual clink clink. Cheers. This is a lot not as dark as ours. Did you put water in that? I did. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna try and mm. stay so concerned about the color of whiskey now, like <laughs> just, <laughs> just I feel it. triggered, I'm gonna warn you. Really? Yeah. Oh dog. What are you, what are you triggered about? Dog. <laughs> never heard you say that really? before. Who are you? <laughs> uh, I just the world is in is a mad place to be right now. What? I thought it was kind of normal. Had you, have you, had you heard? There's some <laughs> things going on. There's things going on. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've made it our, our well, we've made the decision that, that our, our platform is not the platform in which to discuss current events. But I'm finding it harder and harder to do because there's almost nothing else to talk about. That's totally not true. Well, that's why you're here. <laughs> Break me out of my mental prison. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, you guys, this has been an interesting last few months. Yeah. Um, I've had the privilege of seeing behind the scenes you guys working through the, your, the personal stuff in your lives, the um, political, all the things. And I know what a struggle it's been to show up and hmm. and speak because it doesn't exactly feel safe to do that, right? I mean, it has it has felt unsafe in certain ways. Well, especially since we're like an explorer of ideas, mm -hmm. you know, and to sometimes to think uh, whether you can explore like and how what how people are uh, receptive to that exploration is kind of uh, which is. Which is understandable in some some degrees. Like you know, I think some people are working through certain areas of, of all that's going on, and you know, you know, trying to be sensitive to that. But then also, like, I mean, there's some real things to discuss, and those are things that we're interested in, but we're still f trying to figure out and understand that. So, yeah, it does feel like <clears throat> the ability to explore ideas has been severely hobbled, mm -hmm. severely limited yeah. online and off. Like I feel like I'm, I'm able to sort of articulate about or safe. This is how I feel. I don't know if it's true, mm -hmm. but it's about 30% of the things that I think are sort of like safe to talk to other people about. Mm -hmm. And that saddens me yeah. deeply because we have to be able to express ideas to know that they're wrong or to know that they're right. You can't tell necessarily when it's all inside your head. Right. And what are the, what are the consequences that you guys fear in speaking the other percent? Mm -hmm. 
Like what? What's, oh, it's a question. Risk? I thought you were yeah, going like to tell us. Yeah, like what's the risk? Like, tell me, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> like what, what are you afraid will happen if you really said out loud things that you think or things that you're exploring? Not necessarily entrenched ideas, but <clears throat> just even the exploration. I think that's a really good question. Go ahead. Yeah, as I say, uh, for me, it's like <clears throat> I just I'm I'm just around so many different people and so many different perspectives, and I really do love, and I would just really hate to see somebody th- take something out of context, you know, or you know, to because I've as I've been really you know talking to a lot of different people and and exploring and seeing where everybody's at in this, you know, uh, just since different people are in different places, I think very drastic different places and how they're approaching, um, you know, whether it be COVID or, or race or, um, police or, you know, there's all these different hot spots of conversation. And so, um, I feel like just been kind of doing a lot of listening and trying to uh, be aware of where, where people are at and, I mean, I think that's one, that's a good thing, but then also you need places to be able to explore for yourself too, you know, I think. Yeah. I think one of my fears is, and maybe this is worth talking through. I, I don't consider myself, I consider myself a centrist politically, um, you know, or maybe libertarian from what I can tell, um, but I don't really want to be a Democrat. I don't really want to be a Republican. Um, and maybe I feel that way in terms of like what I fear might happen. It's something like the, 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 the national narrative or, or sort of psyche right now has become very strongly magnetized. So it feels like you know, when you're in a conversation, you're, you're sort of pushing and pulling with somebody, a good conversation, mm-hmm. sort of like you've got, um, you know, two magnets, uh, with their poles face toward each other. And as they come together, you start feeling some pushing mm-hmm. and depending on how strong they are at some point, one of those magnets is going to flip over and it's going to be, it's going to flip over to the other side. Mm-hmm. And I think that the time that we're in right now is that if you say something specific about COVID, all of a sudden someone assumes what you think about race mm-hmm. and police and the current president and the current, um, the incumbent and the, the nominee. It's so difficult to sort of walk the tightrope of, retaining some amount of intellectual freedom to discuss ideas without Mm. being, um, without one simple position, getting somebody to convincing somebody that they think what they, they understand what you know about everything else. Mm. And the extreme of what the extreme result of that is that, well, if you think this, then all these other things and you must be a bigot Mm. or, if you think this, then all these other things, and you must be um, a radical left extremist or mm-hmm. something. It's like there's not much. It's very difficult to be in the middle 
right now. And in that understanding, there's loss of relationship? Potentially. Yeah. Loss of relationship. I mean, I I think that they're more generally, I think people are afraid of losing jobs. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I particularly fear that one for myself. Um, But I do fear loss of relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That seems real. Yeah. Do you feel any of this? For sure. What do you, what do you fear? Mm. Mainly I fear consequences in our business. Yeah. That's probably my main motivator for not wanting to express my personal opinions. Um, You know, like with Medici, we really strive to like always to be making this safe place where these conversations can happen and um, where anybody can belong. Um, And so I think we've all, to some degree, we've always felt this way. Yeah. Like we've never um, shared our political beliefs or used Medici to host any kind of you know, intense activism stuff. And so I feel I've, I'm afraid if we do, or if we don't act a certain way that it's going to cost us employees, cost us customers, tender relationships. And so, um, it's hard to know how to, you know, I mean, I've way withdrawn on posting on social media. Yeah, I have too. For, for so many reasons, because I've been, I mean, even with, with COVID, I've been really surprised at, you know, some friends have, have taken a really severe, you know, serious safety, you know, take the precautions super seriously. And and some have, anyway, there's just a whole spectrum and the people that ended up on like the super cautious side kind of surprise me sometimes and then there's some that are like not taking it so seriously and in between and then having to negotiate and not not wanting to seem cavalier but also not wanting to seem afraid and so walking in between that with even just friends feels tricky mm-hmm. and and then personally like I, I don't want our personal decisions about how we choose to quarantine or go out to be seen on social media and then that then reflect on our business Mm -hmm. it's like oh well if someone perceives me as not personally quote unquote taking it seriously then probably then what you just described like oh well they're probably not going to take it seriously Medici so anyway yeah I mean I think you raised an interesting point when you said something like there's danger in well, this is a paraphrase for sure. Or, maybe, or this is my what I took from it. There's danger in saying something that you think, but there's also danger in not saying something you don't think. Mm-hmm. So in an activist climate, <clears throat> and this is the polarization I think that I was talking about, is that in, in an activist climate, well, 
keeping your mouth shut puts you on one side of something. Mm, yeah. And this is where the silence is violence sentiment, I think, comes from, mm-hmm. which is that if you are not here speaking with us, then you must represent everything that is against us. Oh, yeah, that drives me absolutely bonkers. <laughs> so, I mean, it does feel yeah. like <clears throat> there's, a, there's a needle to thread here, mm-hmm. or maybe the tightrope analogy is better, but I haven't posted either um, for, I think, the reasons that I just outlined, but I also think there's a danger in not posting. There's a danger in not speaking. See, I just reject all that altogether. Like, like posting or not posting. It's like, I just think that's childish. You know, it's like, I, that drives me crazy. Well, so maybe I'm using the, I post, mean, not, the not poster childish, but like, just like, <laughs> just like this whole like thing of like, like people moderate, monitoring, monitoring your social, you know, it's like, it's like, what is this? Like, what are we coming to? Are you, that's just, it just it, boggles my mind. It's, it sounds so draconian, you know, like, but it's real. It's happening. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. Well, and maybe I'm using po- the word posting as a stand in for, yeah. sp- for speaking mm-hmm. because I feel the same effects here on the mm-hmm. podcast. I feel myself censoring myself mm-hmm. and the consequence of that is that, like I said at the beginning, I feel nonplussed about this. Yeah. Like, what am I to say? Like, I don't feel free to think. And this whole podcast has always been about freedom to think. Well, there's a whole thing out there right now. It's like, it's, you know, because like, again, I, I try to read on all the spectrums, you know, it's like, there's this part of, you know, the, you know, your free speech is getting uh, squashed, you know, it's like, well, no, it's just, there's consequences to your, to what you say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting how like, depending on which side you're, you're, you're talking to, you know, like a kind of a more of a left talking point is there's consequences and this is just a consequence. And the right would call that cancel culture, you know, mm-hmm. I'm and, just thinking of that meme. It's, it's only cancel culture if it comes from the Cancel region of France. Otherwise it's sparkling consequences. <laughs> totally. Yeah, But there's just something just, that's not there's not something graceful in this. It's, it's really, it's more of the attitude behind it. That's, that's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I don't mind, you know, someone discussing something with me and we dis- disagreeing about it. Like there's something different about disagreeing. And it's like, other than someone bringing consequences onto you, <laughs> mm, right. you know, it's like, or, you know, where the right would call that cancel culture where the left would call that, you know, uh, uh, well, I forgot what it was called now. <laughs> Sparkling, con- Sparkling <laughs> consequences. Yes. Oh, I mean, I wonder though, like if, if there's just this bubble, like, could you say something right now? One thing that you've just not said on here that you want to say that feels real and true to you. Just say it. I love you. Oh, <laughs> you've already said that. Oh, I love you. Okay. We all know that. Um, that like just, just say it right now. Well, because not, this can be edited. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the part we don't, we don't edit this. That's part of the thing is too, is, but I, I think that's the thing is it's not about saying one thing, right? It's a, it's more about the flow of conversation. Right. But the one thing, what if the one thing can like bring forth the freedom 
Hmm. Yeah, it's hard for me to think about one thing. It's more of like a. <clears throat> it's more of like stringing the ideas together. <laughs> what Sorry, you, Matt. Matt's more like. <laughs> No, I've got all kinds of things. That's that's more direct than I am. I'm more. I'm kind of more around all around the place. So, um, that's like a, yeah. But I, I just struggle because I don't. It's like okay, I, I I have a lot of thoughts about the current conversation about racism in America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's not one thing. Right. But but do we want to open that up? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's a question. And I can say one thing. I think anti-racism is racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's it it seems plain and clear as day to me, and it's hiding, it's hiding under a title that says it isn't what it is, and we are somehow falling for it. Yeah, right. Do you remember what the definition of of that is? To be clear, for some for something to be anti-racist. Oh, do I? Do you remember off the top of your head? What the definition of anti-racism yeah. is? Mm-hmm. Um, well, to quote Robin DiAngelo, um, basically, this to me, this sums it up, is that um, in any given situation, the question okay. is never, did racism occur? Rather, how did, random, how did racism manifest in this situation? Mm. So it is all-encompassing it is incurable and with that come a lot of very very racist ideas i think Mm -hmm. um that ultimately demand that white people are better than black people and that's the only way that you can see the world yeah it's just plain racist yeah Mm. and i i don't buy it like not only i don't buy it i condemn it yeah Mm. I just don't know how, I don't know how other people don't see it. Like that. It doesn't make sense to me. It's like well, the way she phrases like what white people are and the, the sort of almost, almost confirms a sort of savior complex, you know, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's so demeaning. Mm-hmm. And yet we've uh, somehow this is, it, there's such an exception of her ideas. Like I, I, I can't, I just, I just beyond me. Except exception. You mean except acceptance, acceptance, acceptance. Yeah. 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 And so maybe, so maybe, um, this is what's so difficult about this particular conversation is I don't know. I don't get it either, but the idea itself has gained such moral virtue Mm-hmm. That even to question, and this is the failsafe that's built into the ideology, totally. is is to question it is to condemn yourself to it. Mm-hmm. So for me to say anti racism is racist makes me a racist yeah. within that ideology. So it's it's protected. Yeah, it's a Kafka trap. Yeah, um, and I know we used that we've used that term before, Kafka mm-hmm. trap. Yeah, I was about to ask is that. <laughs> It's a rhetorical device by which um, if you are found guilty, whether you admit to being guilty of an accusation or you deny the accusation. So you're guilty if you deny it. You're guilty if you accept it, clearly, because you're accepting you're guilty. 
Mm-hmm. So you are, if I, if I say that you are a racist and you agree, then you are a racist. If I say that you are a racist and you don't agree, well, that's your white mm-hmm. fragility showing, which proves that you're mm-hmm. a racist. Mm-hmm. So her diagnosis of the world, there's, it's a trap. There's no way out. Everyone mm-hmm. is. And thusly, everyone is regarded morally based upon the color of their skin. This is racism. Mm-hmm. And I find it prevalent mostly in uh, like Christians who have left the church or not in church, the white, like white Christians specifically seem to be <clears throat> drawn to that, which is really funny because that's like, that's actually one of the reasons why if you talk to them is why they left the church is because of that sort of condemnation hmm. that is, that they felt that they could not live up to and was spoken you know, to them about, and they kind of ran from that. And it's like, they've kind of run right back into this whole other system. That's exactly the same thing, but without forgiveness, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I mean, that's just my experience here in the South. You know, it's like, you know, where Christianity is, there are a lot of people are recovering. I mean, we live in the Bible belt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fascinating. Considering Nietzsche's idea of the death of God. <laughs> uh-huh, like, totally. So if, if we no longer have God and then it, so effectively we no longer have, we are no longer made in some transcendent image toward which to strive. Mm-hmm. You remove that idea. Then what do you replace it with? Cause you have to replace it with something. Mm-hmm. Otherwise there's nothing in your own future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like then you fall into these traps, and I think that's the thing that Nietzsche was having had a really hard time with, and and uh, and again, it's like I, I love his critiques of Christianity. Just they're just they're really beautiful, like uh, um, you know. But he doesn't really provide a great like uh, uh, solution to that problem, and I think I think that's something he really struggled with. Uh, in his writings, but I feel like his critiques were really, uh, really good. And, and then, but what do you do without it? I think that was his real hard thing was like, once you get rid of the metaphysical, you get rid of the religious, it's like, where, how do you, how do you maneuver in the world? And it's like, then you see all these ideologies come into play that we start to orient ourselves in the world with, but they're very lacking, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, they're religious. They're religious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's what, that's how I have experienced the elements of this um, that have been directed at me and at us. Um, it feels like religion. Mm-hmm. It feels like I am held up to, there's a set of rules that have to be followed. Um, like a confession has to be made (laughs) and then in order to prove penance in a way you have to prove your um, contriteness by committing to all these certain behaviors and actions and um, invite accountability for your internal process and like lay open kind of your whole mm-hmm. self. Right. And 
it's extremely heavy. It's just so burdensome. And so in my grappling with that, I feel like I came to the conclusion that, I mean, again, cause I, you know, I'm Christian, I have faith and for the first time, I mean, I've been a Christian for 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And for the first time it made sense to me when Jesus was like, I'm, I'm here to get rid of all these rules. You know, because I mean, the Judaic law was like extensive, mm-hmm. and you know the Pharisees were coming at him because he was breaking the rules like mm-hmm. on purpose to make them mad, to prove their own hypocrisy and their inability to fulfill their own laws. Right. He's like, you guys are dying. Like all these laws that you have added to. They're just killing you because you can never fulfill your own rules that you're trying to enforce and you're constantly violating your own conscience and that kills you. And so I'm here to get rid of that. Hmm. All of that, whatever, all these minutiae that y'all are judging each other and punishing each other and criticizing each other, it's like all that doesn't matter. There's only two. Hmm. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. And that's what you're accountable to. And that feels, to me, scarier and harder because that means I have to live in relationship with a creator that is omnipresent and omnipowerful and can constantly, is in constant knowingness of all my decisions, all my motivations, all of my thoughts. Um, and there are no, essentially, there's not a lot of rules. Hmm. It would be easier if I want to do right and be good for someone to outline that and be like, okay, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, go. It's like, well, that seems simpler to my mind. Right. But you can't accomplish it. But I can. And that's the problem. Right. I can never actually live up to all those things. And that's. If it is such a burden and I feel like I see the weight of it on friends and people that I love that are um, committed to doing good. Yeah. Like I know like in their hearts committed to doing good, mm-hmm. but underneath this, it's, I'm going to call it a religion. It's, it's trying to create righteousness through humanism and it is crushing and I see the life just being crushed out of people that I care about and I love and and has anybody prophesied a woke savior (laughs) a woke savior Um, to come and free us of the law someone has said that like Brene Brown is the priestess to the nation what, is what do you mean? make of that? <clears throat> I, I don't know a ton about Brene Brown. I think we've talked about this before. I have something of a bad taste in my mouth, though. Yeah. Um, I have not. I've Just like every other book, I've started them and haven't finished. <laughs> <laughs> I have not finished them. Um, just going to stir up some trouble, huh? <laughs> I've listened to her. I've listened to, you know, 
handful of podcasts that she's been on. Mm-hmm. I listen to her podcast. Um, she's very much in the stream of anti-racism ideology. And also, she has some really profound, really powerful teaching. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the most famous ones about shame and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I mean, incredibly insightful, super relatable um, you know, she's from Texas. She cusses. She's got a southern accent. And I'm like, it's the kind of gal I can relate to. Right? <laughs> and I'm like inclined to love. Um, but there's also, and again, like, okay, don't like quote me on this, but I think she's also has come from a conservative Christian background mm. and out of the woundedness of that. And it's like the religion, like, uh, it doesn't. Well, I like one thing that you said, because I think this is something that is not, not spoken of very well, not, not, not spoken well, (laughs) is that you said two things was like, there's such a value in her teaching. Like she has value in her teaching. And I think that's something, that's something that we, we fail to recognize like even though someone might be like again there's a lot of things i don't agree with Brene brown on and and i but at the same time you need to be able to also acknowledge like hey this person does have some good teaching but maybe i disagree with this aspect of her teaching and so you can honor her and right. what she's <clears throat> speaking and speaking really well and then you can also disagree with his other parts you know it doesn't make her evil or you know whatever but this is what we were talking about earlier this seems to be like some of the freedom that we've lost somehow Mm -hmm. is that to say to honor one part and disagree with another part yeah somehow ejects you from the conversation yeah like george washington like founding father it's like but he also owns slaves eject yeah, <laughs> it's like don't don't even mention like he had the power of the army he gave up he had the power of the presidency that he gave up you know right. it's like at any one point he could have like assumed mm-hmm. you know power over he could have been the dictator the, of yeah, this world the king of yeah. the americas or whatever mm-hmm. you know? um, they so wanted I, him to be they asked him to be yeah they, they asked said, him no. asked him to yeah. be <laughs> it's like damn dude so you you sorry I just want to make that point because I thought that was really interesting that you, you distinguished those two points. Oh, I don't know what the other one was, but okay. just basically that there's these things that are, she's a profound teacher about, right. and then there's these other parts that are not you can disagree with. Yeah. And I mean, and I don't know that Brene Brown would agree that with the ti- being given the title priestess to the nation. Yeah, you know, it was on yeah. the cover of a magazine at the grocery store, like. I don't know that she would. I mean, it's a pretty big compliment. I'm sure <laughs> feels good. I mean, maybe, maybe not for her. I don't. Maybe I don't she know. disagrees with her. Yeah, who knows? <clears throat> um, but I think that that there's there's good and evil in everything. Like I feel like that's the nature of the world that we live in, and it, it's just be. But something that is like totally wrapped itself in a veil of goodness can be the one of the most dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I've made this observation to y'all before, but this is quite some time ago. I was talking to somebody and I was like, I feel like we're living in game of Thrones. And we started playing this 
this game of like who in our world is what character. I think we decided Trump was uh, Robert Baratheon. <laughs> um, but it occurred to me that like the most relevant thing that I was feeling about that is that we're living in the season when the high sparrow comes to power. Okay. Yeah. And everyone is made to confess. Mm -hmm. This is what it feels like to me. Mm -hmm. And you know, you, you, he has his, his, uh, henchmen, the young men that he sends around and they're carving these things into their forehead and they've got their bats and their chains and they're beating people who disagree with them. Mm-hmm. And take a stroll through Instagram and Twitter. It's here. Like this is mm-hmm. what we're seeing. But it's so funny because it, it's, there's such a denial of that too. Which I don't understand. I don't either. That's I, that's what I'm trying to understand. That's what I'm, I'm, I've been trying to piece together. Like I'm sure anybody, I'm sure there's somebody who just listened to what I said and uh-huh. got triggered yeah. and upset. <clears throat> yeah, like that's but, not but it's there. We have people burning the flag. We have people burning buildings. We have people pulling people out of cars and beating them. We have people shooting each other mm-hmm. over what over ideas. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's not the only thing that's happening. No, it's not. You're right. And I think that that's part of the problem is that we are um, magnetized toward drama. And that's all that we're seeing. But for every instance where that is happening... and, and. and that's the thing, like acknowledging that, okay, this is happening. It's not the only thing that's happening. For every instance of something traumatic and awful happening, there are probably 500 other extremely normal events happening. Yeah, right. But um, our perception of reality is um, tinted by what we're consuming. And if the content that we consume is not going to, is not proportionate to reality. I mean, I can equate this to the birth world. Like everyone, our whole, every woman is scared of birth now. And I've probably said this on a previous podcast, but we're all scared of birth because that's all we've seen of it. We've seen TV shows. We've seen movies. We've seen women screaming, ah, you know, the drama. We hear the horror stories of our actual Nobody's posting the videos of the women having like orgasmic experiences giving birth or just like giving birth with no evidence of pain whatsoever. Well, it's not that pain doesn't happen. It's that for every instance where there is an actual traumatic birth, there are 5,000 other just normal births. Just kind of like nothing flashy to say about it. Like I have my, I have my baby. It was there were some good parts. There so those don't some get parts posted. Hard. People don't talk about that. And then sometimes you kind of feel guilty because like, Ooh, I like, I had a great birth. You don't want to say that because mm. you don't want to steal thunder from anyone who had a really hard experience. And so what happens is like collective, we just have a growing fear of birth, a very natural, normal thing. 
Like we're disproportionately scared of it because all we have consumed about that and experienced about that phenomenon is the scary parts. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's also happening now in terms of like world events and national events. It's like we're only exposed to the scariest, most dramatic aspects of it when there's probably just a, there, there is a lot more normal life going on. We just don't, we're just not focused on that. Right. That's, well, that's, yeah. I mean, and, and that's not, but again, it's like to say that doesn't negate, yeah. negate the, the importance of the, what's happening now, but our fear around what's happening now feels out, what's out of whack to me. I think that's a really, really important point that I don't think has a good solution. Because one of the problems that we're facing right now is that the majority of what we think, see, understand comes from social media. Mm -hmm. This is how we're exposed to the world. And there's several different problems with that. The, the, The biggest two are that, as you just said... The 5,000 births aren't worth talking about because they're so normal. The one that was traumatic is worth talking about. So that's the one everybody talks about. So that is true of every situation. These are the things that we circulate Mm -hmm. on social media. And because we have social media, they don't just circulate within our family or community or city. They circulate globally. And so they become an indication to our psyches that this is what's happening everywhere. And I think this is part of the the reason that you see um, protests and riots happening in other countries that aren't America. When the, the problem statement is formulated to be uniquely American in some Mm -hmm. sense. Um, And the second problem with social media is that, it is curated by an algor- by both an algorithm and by actual humans who have no um, accountability to anyone or any policy. Mm-hmm. They're not government. They're not institutionalized in any way. They are simply tech companies, pro- for-profit tech companies. And so they decide what we see and what we don't see. Yeah. So those are two really big problems that I don't think have very good, straightforward solutions. So how are we to, how are we to buffer our psyche from these problems? Because I think you're absolutely right. So like take Portland, for example, what's going on in Portland right now, you have, you have these, um, these confrontations happening between rioters and federal law enforcement, um, depending on who you listen to, this is either federal law enforcement protecting a federal courthouse from rioters intent on burning it down, or these are peaceful protests in federal law enforcement who are unmarked, in civilian clothing are kidnapping peaceful protesters in unmarked minivan rented minivans and hauling them away. Mm-hmm. So which is it? Well, then there's it, another level that there, there are uh, pro actual protests happening adjacent the day yeah. adjacent. 
Well, but to your point, like this is happening in in something like a five six block radius. Mm-hmm. The, the, the confrontations, I mean, mm-hmm. in like a six blocks radius in downtown Portland. Outside of that radius, it's life as normal. You know, minus COVID, mm-hmm. it's like everything seems fine. So nobody's reporting on the places that seem fine. They're reporting on the places that are fucked up because that's what we're interested in. Well, here's my question. What do those other places have to do with your life? So you're saying, what do we do about this? To me, like we do have choices in this. Like, okay, so the disproportionate amount of like drama being posted. Well, I can just start posting my really fucking average life. (laughs) Hey, everybody, here's my normal ass day. Which is what we normally do on social media, right? So I'm saying, so maybe there's a there's a reason to, for me to to do that. S- keep posting my normal ass life, like I do, like I did before all this. Yeah, you know, rather than not post anything at all. Yeah, um, that's an option. The other option is, I mean, this would probably be more radical, but what if we just stop watching it all? Like, what if there what we stopped consuming the news period and only dealt with the things that came into our actual life? Well, but this is the problem I'm saying. That was like, what would that look like? I mean, that would that would look like getting off of social media. Yeah, and I mean, are you prepared to do that? I could. I did. I think on our last podcast, I was in a social media fast. <laughs> and then I That's right. I think you are. <laughs> Well, I mean, but I mean, I, cause I stopped watching the news in college after. Yeah, but it's easy enough to stop watching the news. It's much, much harder. I mean, even you just described it as a fast invoking fasting from food. It's like something that you need that you can spend some time away from, but you eventually have to come back to. I mean, social media has positioned itself in our lives as the primary way that we interact with people that we care about. I think it depends. Like I, like I use, uh, like I, I have like a, a variety of channels, YouTube channels that I watch that kind of cover the, the spectrum, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, like I don't participate on social media so much. Um, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But, um, uh, but I think there's, I mean, there's certain things that like understanding, it depends also where you are, and what you're doing, like there's a certain amount of understanding of what is happening in the world around you and to be able to interpret it, you know, right. uh, because it's like, again, owning a business, you know, uh, kind of being among other like business owners and stuff like that. You kind of have to have a grasp of what is happening <clears throat> around you. But I think that's the hardest because you're, you're looking for sense making, uh, sense making institutions or I don't know, sense making um, apparatuses to help you to assimilate this information that is actually helpful and useful to interact into in the world, whether it be through business or through voting or through, you know, your community activity. It's like, how do I direct my attention? And obviously, so I think, I think the problem is, I think what, what you're getting at too, is that, we don't have that mu- that much bandwidth, and sometimes we get we start to try to take on too much 
that we're not actually responsible for or capable of. And that's, that can be unhealthy. Right. And that's, I feel like that's what I'm, I'm trying, I'm getting at is like, it would be a radical, a radical stance Mm -hmm. to be like, I am no longer going to feel responsible. I'm no longer going to bring my awareness to things that I cannot directly impact. Yeah. I will do the good that I encounter in my life. Mm-hmm. If I took away all the the all of this out of my mental like which is draining, right? Like draining. And I just attend to what is my life. Like what am I responsible for? Mm-hmm. Right now, today, I'm thinking Victor Frankel, um, <laughs> like my children, my home, my neighborhood, my business, my friends, my family. Like, what if, what if I brought my attention to them, and like, what good can I do right here in my world? Mm-hmm. Like that feels really radical to me, but mm-hmm. it also feels like way more effective yeah but i mean that it's an it's an idealist concept mm-hmm. I don't, that doesn't sound idealist to me i mean no? that sound that sounds like the right way to engage in the world i think it'll look different for different people you know it's like i feel like there's different platforms that people have and sometimes you can uh you can somewhat extend beyond your capabilities and that starts to kind of like, I think that's where it really can have an impact, a negative impact on you. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like if I start today, like uh, adding, you know, Honduras to my, my awareness, you know, it's like, it's like, well, it it has to come from somewhere. So I need to put some things aside to focus on the issues in Honduras or something like that. You know, it's like, I can't, I can't hold Honduras and Palestine and Israel and then North Africa. You know, it's like, it's like at some point, like, cause I was just thinking like when you were saying that, I was just like, I was just thinking of all the, all the different voices that are like, well, you don't care about this, about this, about this, about this. It's like, who has the capacity to hold all of those things? Well, this is one of the problems is that no one does. Yeah. And the person that who says you don't care about this, 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 and this doesn't understand any of those things. Mm-hmm. They've just simply seen the the poster mm-hmm. reposted. Yeah, like is it valid still to be one hundred percent of your energy to sex trafficking? You know? Like is that is that acceptable or is it like I mean I think that's the hard thing with there's so many other things that are happening in this world. And, and it's like, it's not to like diminish any other one, but maybe that's where you're going to put your energy to. And so that's like, well, this a, is what I don't get. I mean, that's a great example. Like we are putting our energy towards some, something right now mm-hmm. that is arguably not worth our energy. That's a pretty bold That's statement. That's a pretty bold statement. You might want to back well, that. Say, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. I'm only making that statement that boldly, not because it exists in a vacuum, mm-hmm. but because it exists against something like 18,000 children trafficked into 
sex slavery every year. Mm -hmm. Like, what else is worth putting our energy into? Mm -hmm. Our children are being kidnapped into a sex trade. Yeah. And we're not even talking about it. It's not the hot topic right now. No, but but why? (laughs) Yeah. Some people are. Yeah. Some people are. Mm -hmm. But there's not protests. Yeah. Right. And I think that I can say, I can say the boldness of the previous statement relative to that. Yeah. Especially considering, I don't think the protests even have like a singular cause. Mm -hmm. There's not like something that they're, this is what we want. There's a lot of things, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not as, it's like, if you want a spearhead to get behind how about don't sell our children into sex slavery? Yeah. That seems pretty easy to get behind. Right. So, but how, how in this day and age, in this panopticon that we live in, panopticon. are we missing this? Mm-hmm. That says something about the, the, to me about this effect of, of social media raising certain things to the surface and ignoring the rest of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I guess the argument of, to that would be that right now it's a time to focus on these certain issues. And I, I don't, I don't even know what these certain issues are because it's turned towards defund the police. And again, it's depending on what outlets you're talking about. Cause like even like how they how they speak about it. Like a Don Lemon would say that it it's not really all black people. It's only those affected by cops. But that's just a small small percentage of people in, in interactions too. I mean, so it's it's so I, I think there's just so many different framings of this of how what the what the issues that we are actually addressing right now. Like if you like a lot of, you know, you know, white people will want you to address your white privilege. Well, that has nothing to do with maybe racism, you know, it's like, well, it it does. But then it's like, but the focus is back on you as a person, you know, and that you're racist, you know, it's like, that's not really focused out in the world. Um, So I just find that everyone has something that is, I don't know, it's just really confusing as far as like what we're actually what this movement, like with, with, I think that MLK was so much more clear, you know, there is real segregation happening, like real stuff, not anything that is sort of maybe, uh, I don't know how they say it subconsciously racist, you know, covertly, covertly racist. How can you suss that out? Covertly racist. You will be drove a nuts trying to suss that kind of stuff out. You know, it's like, and how you interpret that it's this left up to the interpretation of the person, you know, it's like, how was it covert? You know? Well, anyway, that's I think that's, an, I think that's actually a, well, it's a neat trick mm-hmm. because, it's, because if it's covert, you can't point to it and back to, the expression of the ideology. I mean, I was thinking, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think there's a lot of people who might hear my description of what anti-racism is mm-hmm. and say, no, that's not what it is. It's just against racism. Oh yeah. And this is the trick of the, the title, mm-hmm. but it's not. Mm-hmm. 
and you're not going to see it until it comes out in a statement like that. Well, it's covert racism, mm-hmm. which means that you can't say what it is. You can't see it, but it's there, which means that it supports the idea that it's everywhere all the time and it's incurable and you fall under one or the other side of the moral line. Mm-hmm. And the reason you fall on one or the other side of the moral line is based upon your skin color. Yeah. And this is why it's racist. But, well, no but. I just feel uncomfortable. <laughs> no but. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think... Um, it's like, I don't know how far we want to do. We want to start wrapping this up or do we just want to keep rolling? Cause it's, uh, we yeah, have, we're at about an hour, about an hour. You've been quiet for a bit. Yeah. Just listening. Yeah. Listening. Taking it. I also in. was here to, to, to stir up the, well you, <laughs> so, so let's give this about 10 more minutes. You, you pushed us <laughs> to say what we thought. I, I have said things in that I wouldn't have normally said. Mm. Has this been a good thing? A bad thing? A scary thing? Probably a little bit of all of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's... What do I think? Um, I feel like the conversation is real. And it's we're in process. We're in process. And that's, I think, what I hold most dear right now is that everyone... Like, we, we, we truly can't judge the motivations and internal processing of someone else. Mm-hmm. And we can't know it as much as we think we can know it based on how we interpret people's words and behaviors... Um, we really can't be on, on the inside of anyone else and process is just so important. And I feel like it's the point even more than outcomes, um, is that we are able to be in process and be understood and witnessed and we are all free to do that and, that's what I that's what I desire is for people to have freedom to be in process and for you guys to have freedom to be in your process um, because we're doing our like we're all doing our best right I mean on any given day like we're doing our best to live up to who you know who we want to be who we want to become and it's not easy. Life is hard and messy. And I think it's fascinating, you know, it's, I mean, it's fascinating and it's important and yeah. I agree. I agree. It is fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating to watch people develop well, and to and grow. I, and, and, and I don't think we, do our best every day necessarily, but 
we certainly hope to and want to encourage each other to. Well, if, I mean, if our best is shit today, that was still our best. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I know you don't like shirkers. <laughs> <laughs> shirkers. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we're, we're, all try- we're all trying. Yeah. And... <laughs> well, just to give it the listeners context to that, uh, I took a personality test and uh, on one of the dimensions that it scored me on, it said something about how I don't like shirkers <laughs> or, or what was the second like or people who oh. skirt responsibility or uh, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Sh- but the word shirkers really got us all. <laughs> I mean, one, I mean, one day you need to shirk. I mean, sometimes gosh. you, you know, honestly, you do need to shirk. Sometimes I shirk sometimes. <laughs> right, right. We we all do. Like we all fall Maybe short. Twerk. I don't know. It's shirk and twerk. <laughs> shirk and twerk. Oh, that sounds like a cocktail. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. No, it. I mean, it's so it's so good, and I, I mean, I feel like I really respect. Respect the processing that you guys have been doing and supporting each other in, and and I mean you two more than anybody I know, go after all the content, like all <laughs> the info, you know, like I, some people who are you know going off, like I don't trust because I can tell that you're, they're honing in on just a few sources, and that's mm. the totality of their perspective, um, but you two that's not the case. Like I know that y'all are diligently listening and reading and pursuing understanding and truth. And, um, and I really respect that and I glean from it. And so I'm really glad that y'all are still doing this. I think it's really important. And I think it'll be really valuable to look back on one day. Yeah. Um, I think, like I've I've asked some like our parents' generation, you know, what was it like for you going through the civil rights movement? Hmm. They were like, Oh, I don't remember. Hmm. Like they don't remember. And that is sad to me. Yeah. Um because if that was like a seminal moment in history, just like we're in, and I think it will be valuable to have heard people's process in the middle of that, like looking back, I mean, what are the history books going to say about this year? I mean, WTF 2020. Yeah, totally. Flip, like, can we? Washington football team. I was about to say that. <laughs> WTF. <laughs> I really hope they go with that. There's so many, so so many it's great really memes important. from 2022. Um, it's like the most. So hard, so sad. <laughs> so memeable year with our end. Okay, but I do have two questions. Okay. So we're, we're just not going to wrap this up. Because um, <laughs> I got to be on again. <laughs> we're not going to cut it short. Okay, so uh, two questions for y'all. Um, the first one, I was, I'm curious to know uh, when, of a recent experience of a, of a time when you felt respected. Just silence from both of us. Respected. 
I'm hoping you think of one first. Well, I've got a couple. Just that, like, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to bring names into it. You don't uh, have to. I don't have to. No, I mean not not for, but I mean I I love it that it came through these people, but uh, I'm not going to use a mad example. So, <laughs> uh, I do have one person that I don't know just really, um, it just meant a lot to me that they would ask for my opinion and counsel mm-hmm. and you know in, in some of these things and I, I just felt really uh respected and valued and i thought that was and and part of it was because um they know i'd really try to look at all the different perspectives not that i get it right but that i, tr- I really try to mm-hmm. um and I don't know if this is one, uh, I don't know if this is respected, but <laughs> there was this, I had a really tough day and I just broke down in tears and this guy just held, it was during COVID and he hugged me and just held me. <laughs> <laughs> it was really like unexpected and it was COVID and that was exactly what I needed to have. Mm-hmm. And, and it was one of those moments where it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, again, COVID and all that kind of stuff. It was just a hug during COVID is a powerful thing. Oh, especially like I don't cry. Hmm. You know, I don't cry. I'll testify. <laughs> and I just lost it and just like yeah, I've just, never seen you cry. It was just like it was like a sobbing type thing. I mean, five times. <laughs> like five times in the, in the one interaction. No, five times in my life. You've only cried five times in your life. No, come on, I've seen you cry. Okay, well, yeah, I, I cry, but like like sobbing, crying. No, I've never seen that. Yeah, for real. That was I yeah. heard you from outside. Yeah. Anyways, wow. but that was like just somebody that would kind of throw COVID to the wayside and still, <laughs> you know, obviously we didn't have COVID, but still, it's like it's, well, it there's was, a, it was a man, another man, another man too, yeah. which was really beautiful. So mm-hmm. yeah. In the first in- instance, was that person who sought your counsel? Um, younger, older colleague, friend. Yeah, let's just say younger, and mm-hmm. but not let's much. Say younger. <laughs> well, I mean, I just, I just don't want to put names into stuff because it's really it was about the moment and and what happened, and it's not really that's it's just that was a time I felt respected and right. It's like that was really cool. Hmm. Yeah, we were trustworthy. Yeah, I mean, we're somewhat the same age, but still younger, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, can we get your second question? <laughs> That's going to skip. <laughs> Are you taking a pass on that question? Well, I don't I don't want to, but I, nothing came to my mind, mm. which is probably an indication of something wrong with me. I don't know like <laughs> um yeah, I, I, a couple interactions with my kids came to mind. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think anything worth Telling the story. Hmm. I like how direct you are. <laughs> There's nothing wrong I'm glad. with you. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of things wrong with me. <laughs> well, yeah, you're you're not perfect. No. What? I've thought that for the last two years. <laughs> Just first one. Surprise, bubble. surprise. <laughs> well, I mean I mean, partly that question came to me earlier, but also um 
I don't know. I have this like bee in my bonnet because <laughs> <laughs> like I just love men. I really do. And I feel like this what what has refreshed my like memory about this is, you know, on on social media again, there's like women women supporting women and all the um, challenge accepted oh, images, black and white images of women supporting women, and um, a couple people. Part of me is like, oh, is anybody gonna nominate me? Is anyone think I'm cool, woman? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then a couple people did, and I was like, this immediately, like, immediately, I'm like, okay, this is great, but my heart was just like, but what about all the men? Hmm. And it feels like it's not okay to respect men right now. Hmm. It's not okay to honor them or bring attention to them. Like, and it kind of makes me sad. And so I don't. So I didn't. I haven't posted. I haven't. I have not accepted that challenge. Hmm. Not because I don't absolutely love the women in my life. Um. I know so many amazing women and I also know so many amazing men and I, f- I don't know. So there's something in there. So I was just thinking about like, Oh, how do men feel? Res- how can men feel respected right now in this climate where it's like, y'all are kind of the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you bring up that hashtag challenge accepted. I've been watching this going on and I think, there's a lot of things to be said about it. Um, but I did have this thought exercise where I, my first response, not my first response to the, 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 um, what do you call it? Challenge, I guess. But when I started thinking through it, one of my first thoughts was there's a lot of women that I respect and love and I'd love to call out, but I'm not invited to participate in this. Mm -hmm. So I can't, challenge accepted some women that I love. Right. Um, you would be on Aww, the top of that you. list. Thank you. Uh, but, oh, okay. So like, so then my second thought was, well, if I guess if I can't participate in this one, well, what if I did like a, I, there's a lot of men that I respect and love and I could like challenge, accept them or whatever. And then I thought, oh yeah, that won't work. You can't do that. You can't celebrate being a man. Right. That would not be acceptable. Right. Like, and even as hard as I thought about it, there was no way to do it that felt, that didn't feel gross somehow. Right. So that's interesting. Well, here's a, it's what I, what first goes through my head is like, it's like, yeah, that's okay. Which part? Like challenge accepted. Like I would just be like, all right, whatever, you know? Like, like if I if I challenge accepted you, you'd yeah, just, be just be like, like no. <laughs> <laughs> that is why you my personality, but I, it's like that's funny. No, that's definitely, that's your, definitely personality. your personality. <laughs> yeah, like, but I don't I've know. known you from ten years. You've never accepted it as much as a happy birthday from me. <laughs> <laughs> but I will share whiskey with you. Though. <laughs> it's so much better. <laughs> yeah, that's probably just my personality, anyways. No, but that's, there's something valid in that, that you're mm-hmm. saying that, that, well, even if you could kick off some sort of black and white photo men's challenge accepted, it just wouldn't get very far 
for that exact reason is that a lot of men would just be like, eh, I'm just not going to participate. Right. Well, also I think social media in general is probably more women than men. Is it? I was just wondering that. I'm like, what is the, the usage percent? I think it depends, of, know that. It depends on the platform. platform yeah. yeah. Like but one, it is this challenge accepted thing is really interesting to me because I have not seen any other sort of like Instagram virus move so quickly. Hmm. Really? I don't think so. I mean, it's hmm. been like every single woman I follow is in on it. I haven't been on Instagram. Has posted. So. <laughs> and if you're a woman that I follow that hasn't posted because you haven't gotten challenge accepted, I'm sorry. And also, <laughs> like, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, I would have. Yeah. I mean, I did. I genuinely woke up this morning like, oh, no one. No one's challenged me. No one. No one thinks I'm cool. It, uh, uh, the whole, you know, something about it makes me vomit. Because it's like one person. One person was like, "You have to, you have to like tag fifty women." And the next one's like, "Oh wait, you know, only have to tag ten women." I'm like, "I love so many women, but then some of them have already posted, so how, I couldn't like read." Mm-hmm. And then I can't keep up with who's posted, who's already. You've got your equity meter running in the background, but you've got to like. <laughs> like I, I love my friends, and I think they know that. And yeah. if I if they don't know that, then I'm not succeeding. As a friend, um, your friends definitely know that you love them. <laughs> I hope so. Mm-hmm. I love you, lady friends. Maybe I could like meta, meta meme this thing, and just like challenge accept myself, and then post <laughs> black and white pictures of everyone that I love, <laughs> male and female, all skin colors and sexual orientations and. Letters of the alphabet. <laughs> totally. Meta. I like that. I mean, and I don't know if there's something like off with me that I just, I feel so sensitive toward men and I it just, that, but that was my immediate reaction. Like, oh. Well, it's probably you feel sensitive because I offload my emotions to you. Uh, and- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, I mean, it's. It's, That's a different podcast. That. That's a different podcast for sure. <laughs> okay, so you had a second question. I did have a second question. We digress. Okay, mm. my second question comes from episode 34. Whoa. I'm short of ignorance. Hold on. We got a regular okay. listener here. <laughs> <laughs> that one. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> I mean, 5,000. To quote the podcast, uh, whatever idea flits and sparks into your mind that oh, feels no. fantastic that you could do, that you might be able to do, However crazy it might be, do it against all odds. Go and do it. Make yourself the best version of yourself you could be. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so you issued this challenge to your listeners. So your listeners are asking back. I hate accountability. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is this is right. You should be putting this to us because I, you included, I think like four ask. people have said something about that particular line and mm-hmm. challenged me to answer. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to say the line than it is to answer it. <laughs> I'll tell you that sure. right now. Fair enough. Yeah. I know what it is for you, Dad Gemmett. Oh, my gosh. 
You gonna try and answer for him? Should we yeah. answer for each other? Ooh. Okay. I mean, do y'all want to do that? Do y'all want to try and answer each other's? Michael's. Uh, Michael's. Dude, I've been telling you this for like last month, so it's like yeah, you, you need, have. You need to get your shit going. It's like you. <laughs> All right. So Matt's got so much potential. Like he's amazing, and again, there's timing involved. So I don't want to be overly, mm-hmm. but. I mean, you've got some ideas and things that are that are really great, and I think that's something that there's a spark there, but it's kind of a little bit of small spark. <laughs> okay, you told us nothing in well, that statement, but I can't give it away because it's a great idea. And what if someone so on got, here? Okay, so so if, a, if the idea involves oh. some kind of trade secret, oh, that's fine. <laughs> okay, but you need to let us know. Yeah. So anyways, Something. Matt's got some great business ideas. He's a very talented, uh, I don't know how you call it, an engineer, web person. Engineer is fine. Engineer is fine. Okay, yeah. cool. And so he's got a lot of potential. But that's the thing is like this one idea, it's not about the one idea. It's about completing the one idea. And then he's got about 10 other ideas <laughs> after that. But he can't get to them until he finishes this one. So Yes, that's yeah. true. And I've been, I've, I've, I've really appreciated your um how do I say it? Speaking into me mm. in that recognizing the things that I suspect about myself, but to hear you rec- to see you recognize them gives me a lot of, um, solidarity, mm-hmm. something like that. <clears throat> well, it doesn't stop there because you also have this music part, mm-hmm. but there's some foundations before you can hit the music part. Yeah. <laughs> so he's also a talented musician. If you haven't heard Matt McCloudsky <laughs> on SoundCloud, Spotify and, uh, Apple music. Yeah. Deezer. I don't know what else we use. <laughs> Barnes uh, and Noble. <laughs> Barnes and Noble. <laughs> well, there is something I want to say about this. Yeah. I, because we've hit on this idea a couple of times and I think it was best encapsulated in that, uh, quote you just read. I think we often encounter something in our brain that says, or, or or maybe our spirit or a conscience that says, this would be good. Mm. But it's like, I'm grocery shopping. Just, just leave me alone. Like, I can't <laughs> do that right now, you know? And we don't go back to it. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes... You know, you get home and you're unloading the groceries and something inside of you goes, hey, this would be good to do. And when I mean good, I don't mean just pleasurable. I don't mean exciting. I mean, difficult, requires sacrifice, requires vulnerability, requires all of these things that are summed up in the word love. And we say, don't bother me with that right now. Because love is hard. Mm -hmm. And we don't get to him. And there's so much lost in that. Um, And so, okay, I I have a lot of ways I can answer the question to to the the ideas that flit and fleet in my brain. Um, A lot of ways that I can answer that. A lot of things that I want to do. But for whatever reason, the one that came to my head when you asked, when you read the quote and asked the question was, I have had a list of like 12 essays that I wanted to write for about seven months now. Mm. Mm. 
Why? I don't know. It was just one of those things that came into my head and said, this would be a good thing to do. And I haven't done it. Hmm. I actually have. I've written two. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah. I don't even know this. (laughs) Well, I love it (laughs) because I'm ashamed. Oh, like this is one of the reasons that these, these ideas that come into your head, you don't do them is because Mm -hmm. they involve things like shame. Mm -hmm. Like even if you do do them, you don't want people to know that you've done them, but you also want people to know that you've done them. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) Uh, I, I'm going to commit to you too, and to whoever is listening to us at this point that I'm going to write these essays and I'm going to post them on the shores of Adrian's website. <laughs> well, we don't have a website oh, yet. That's right. <laughs> and I think that, Wait, what do you do for a job? <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the headphones come off. <laughs> um, we don't have a website. I don't want a website, though. <laughs> Just kidding. With Minority Report? No, but I, I'm, I'll, I'll post them. I'm going to write them, and I'm going to post them. All right. Wow. That's All like, seven or just the two? I think I actually said it was 12. Oh, you said 12. <laughs> 12. Wow. I'm going to post all 12. Okay. <laughs> I we, love it. You don't we'll just go for it. We'll give you a year. Like, That's like one a month. Wait, what did you say? We'll, we'll give you a year. Give me a year. One a month. That's mm-hmm. true. All right. Fair enough. Let's do it. July 2021. Where are we going to be a year from now? Yeah, who knows? What's Where are hell? we going to be in 100 days? <laughs> true. Mars. But to go back to, so you answered for me, I'm, I'm going to answer for you. Right. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> I think you might, actually. <laughs> I mean, you have a vision you're a, you're a visionary person. You have a vision and you have had a consistent vision. So maybe in this sense, it's not a fair answer because <laughs> we're talking about flits and fleets. Um, we're talking about the idea that would make yourself the best version of yourself. Right. Hmm. I think you have that idea and you, you have that vision and you are working diligently to do something which is so amazing to me, which is to essentially fill your gas tank so you can turn around and with a high pressure hose, light the biggest fire you've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I like the way you say it. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay. That was like grandiose and beautiful. What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Let's just leave it at that. That was really good. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that. I'm not, I'm not leaving it there. Well, I don't want to speak for Michael on what he wants to do. I mean, it's probably enough that I see it that way. Mm-hmm. But but I do. For ten years, Michael's been talking about wanting. How do I put this succinctly? Wanting the ability to. essentially to give Mm -hmm. to, to his community, to his friends, to his city. um, And has been trying to position himself to do that. And you can't give unless you have something to give. And he's, 
been working towards that. Mm-hmm. And I, it's been amazing. And, and, and there's, <clears throat> well, <clears throat> it's been an incredibly inspiring to be sitting across the table from you for the last 10 years and watch things that you said, <clears throat> excuse me, on a Friday at Fado over Guinness. <laughs> or two. Or or five. five. <laughs> suddenly be real in the world. Hmm. Like, y'all's roasting facility. That was a pipe dream at some point. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was there when that was a pipe dream. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> and now it's real. Uh-huh. So... I'm very proud of y'all. I'm, and I have so much confidence uh, in where you can go and what you will do with it. Yeah. Because it's not about success. Mm. It's about what... Uh, maybe my um, light the biggest fire you've seen analogy isn't quite right. Maybe it's grow the biggest garden you've ever seen. Something like that. He wants to be the biggest covert giver you'll never know about yes i know <laughs> now, now i'm out you just outed me babe. what was that i mean i mean i feel like i i can testify to this that this is what it's been in our marriage from the beginning what was the book um i don't know you're outing me right now so. glass beads game well the glass beads game and also um um oh he wrote the robe but you wrote another one magnificent Boyd Douglas? no yeah but magnificent um uh, anyways what were you saying there was some book you read uh-huh. right when we got married, and you're, some character was just clandestinely giving all this money and supporting people, and you yeah. were like, "This, yeah, yeah." It was the magnificent one. It was the a Floyd Douglas. What is that book? I've forgotten, which is really awesome. I'll have to go back and read it. <laughs> That's how clandestine That's- you are. <laughs> so I'm so covert. I've forgotten how. <laughs> uh, I've forgotten the sources. <laughs> Yeah, but I do appreciate that. You know, for instance, I know that who you are and what you ultimately want to do. Um, well, it's not. Uh, I, I know you don't. You don't put that on the shoulders of Medici. Mm-hmm. You don't ask Medici to do that for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Medici re- remains its own entity. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do what you want to do personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Medici's always meant to be a place of refuge, a place where mm. people can go to. And it's not political. It's not socially driven. And it's not beholden to your own yeah, personal goals. My own personal goals, exactly. And it's always meant to be that way. And it's been hard to preserve that idea. Um, and it, and it, there's, it's, it's really hard to preserve that idea. But that's always been the idea behind Medici is that you know, a Republican and a Democrat can meet at Medici and it's not, you know, a, a pro-life, a pro-choice. You know, it's like it's like it's always meant to be a place where those those people can come together because we're not we don't have an ideology or a political stance as a company, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, it's been it's hard, especially right now, even it's hard to hold that space. It's just. And that's, I think that's in this, in this, in this time frame. it's like everybody wants you to say something about something. And it's just, it's, it's just really frustrating that it's like, 
I'm totally, I'm totally okay with other people that want to do that. And it's like, and that's your business and you want to do that. But I've always like, for me, it's always been a refuge where I can go and not have to encounter other people's stuff, you know, whatever it might be. It might be good stuff. It might be bad stuff. It's like, and for me, that's what coffee shops have always been for me. It's like a place I could go no matter what I was thinking or where I was at. And it's like, I really want to preserve that for Medici. I think trying to. So. Well, and the fruits of that vision are evident, not only in Medici and in mm-hmm. y'all's personal life, but also like around the city of Austin. Mm-hmm. Like if you just, I, I could probably name a couple, at least other coffee shops that have grown out of that vision, mm. whether through direct employees that left and did their own thing or adjacently to the story that have started something. Yeah. Um, like that's some fertile soil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope we, I hope we, that's something I want to see more of too. So that, that stuff is like, yeah. All right. I'm turning the question on you, Allison. <laughs> Magnificent Boom. obsession. Lloyd Douglas. Magnificent. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that oh. was the book. That, that one, book. that okay. one rocked Magnificent me. Obsession. Yeah. Another podcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ignite. Maybe what? I'll read it. <laughs> what ignites you, babe? Uh, I'm just the asker of the questions. I'm representing the, <laughs> the listeners here today. So she'll be on next Are week. Are you asking for a and, pass? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm... I, I don't know where I'm at this year. I don't know what's next. I don't know. Um, setting goals, feeling ambitious, going after dreams. That all feels beyond me right now. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm learning to be okay with that, I guess. So, I don't know. And she's, uh, she keeps me stable. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your ability to accept that. Mm-hmm. Trying, trying to. Uh, I mean, this is where I'm at. Um, you know, the reading recently, the man search for meaning, the Victor Frankel, mm-hmm. that part about the existential vacuum. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, a minute. <laughs> I'm in it. I feel it. It's a pulling. Minute. It's sucking the life. Out sucking of me. the life out of me. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, I'm there. I'm like, this is maybe it's like existential vacuum, aka the midlife crisis. Mm. Like, I might be in it. <laughs> Definitely in it. I don't know. Um, ah, it's fine though. It's good. I'm where <laughs> <laughs> it's fine though. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's 2020 in a yeah. statement. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Oh man, did I tell you though my analogy? I feel like this analogy is so great. Mm-hmm. I told you. Oh yeah, you did. People keep asking me like, how are, how are you? And I'm like, there's no answer to that question this year. Like, 
I'm so good. This year's been great God, for me. It's been so amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, but I also keep asking the question. Like, yeah. no one has an answer. But now my new answer is I'm I'm lying on a nail of beds. Like a bed of nails. <laughs> a nail of beds. <laughs> yep. It's like that fucked up. <laughs> That's how fucked up it is. And honestly, these beds are really uncomfortable. <laughs> This year is like lying on a bed of nails. Everything hurts. Like it, everything hurts. So you're just kind of like yeah. writing it out. Well, it's just that's me. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just here waiting. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you guys for letting me be on the podcast. Thanks for coming. And y'all vaguely answered my question. I'm just going to say y'all were great and very celebratory of one another, but (laughs) no one listening to this has any idea what the fuck you're going to do next other than you're going to write some essays. All right. So thank you. We're waiting for that. All right. You're welcome. Well, it's easy. It's going to kill it. I'm just going to kill it. Michael, we're just like, okay, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know what Michael's going to do next. That's good though. That's the way you want it. Yeah. Okay. I do. We love you. <laughs> we love you for that. Uh, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna end with an idea. All right. So before we started recording tonight, we were talking about uh, this uh, the the book Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. Mm-hmm. We did a book club around this, and we talked about potentially um, structuring this episode of the podcast around that book and mm-hmm. talking about the book. Mm-hmm. We didn't end up doing it, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. Uh, but what if we started a Shores of Ignorance book club? Hmm. Ooh. I like that idea. Yeah. So we'll pick a book. Uh, we'll give it, you know, I don't know, two, three months, something. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do an episode around the book. Sounds good. And uh, people can read along and read the book with us and then have some context to the conversation we have around the book. Mm-hmm. But do we get to have a dinner party? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and, if you, and any listener who wants to come to the dinner party is welcome, COVID or otherwise, because I'm my level of COVID tolerance is fuck it. <laughs> as of right now with two whiskeys. Okay. Okay, no, wait, I will claim that as an idea that flits and sparks and makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I, I really love throwing dinner parties. Mm-hmm. It gives me so much joy. Yeah. Like so much joy. It doesn't even feel like work. I love it so much. Like the planning, the... It's awesome. Making it beautiful, bringing people together. Oh, it's like... That is something that satisfies my soul. You're really good at it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't wait. So if anybody's listening that has a suggestion for the next book... Mm. What about Magnificent Obsession? Ooh, we already talked about a book on this podcast. Well, that's it. We just did it. Okay. I've never read it. Have you? No. Okay. I mean, it's a it's a fiction. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's what we want to do. I mean, I'm generally opposed. Back to the personality yeah, test. Totally. Like, you like to read nonfiction. I'm like, damn it, you're right. <laughs> like, we don't have to. It's just a thought. That's a good one. I, I want to go back and read it again. So okay, yeah. Well, let's start with that. All right, all right. That's kind of like a month. It's a quick read. Quick read. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. then you know. Start with some low expectations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>
<laughs> Rag on. <laughs> okay. And then origin of, uh, was it? Uh, origins of history. consciousness. His, origin of history of consciousness. <laughs> no. Yeah. The not. Eric Newman book. Uh, that's a great one. Lucas, uh, Lucas says we're done. Yeah. Lucas says we're done. Okay. Y'all. All right. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks, Allison. Thanks for having me back. Shoot, you. I love it. Let's play the music. All right. Ciao.